0: Welcome to the Sayreville podcast and I'm Pat Nimmers, my son John, who's our evangelism director. Today we're going to be talking about all things that pertain to God, his character, and particularly the providence of God, which you just preached on here this uh, last Sunday. Did you have a good time preaching that? Yeah, it was a blast. It was definitely
1: one of those messages that were uh, uh, deep, a lot of deep theology, but at the same time, just trying to crunch that in there to make it applicable. This is a good time preaching. Why
0: don't you tell our our listening audience how this came about, that you preached on the providence of God? Why don't you talk about that (laughs) little interchange here?
1: Well, uh, my father, as you know, is a very opinionated man, uh, and in his love and kindness, he came up to me. uh, Well, actually, we were having a conversation. It's actually the day I was preaching somewhere else. He asked me if I had a topic ready for this past Sunday. And I said, "No, not yet. I uh, hadn't given it too much thought." Uh, and he said, "Well, you know, we're preaching through the book of Ruth, so you could, if you wanted to, uh, preach on providence." And I go, "Oh, that's interesting, because I'm—I—I—he knew that I was reading John Piper's new book, seven hundred-page book on providence, so he knew my mind was already in that direction. And the book of Ruth has a strong, yeah, exactly. uh, reference to providence, right? And so, and so, I go, "That's a really good idea." And he goes. I didn't say I'd take it. I said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely give that some thought." And he goes, "Well, you know, John, around around here, if I if I tell you to do something, you're gonna do it. You know that, right?" <laughs> <laughs> I go, "Are you telling me to do it? Or are you still giving me an option?" And so, either way, you still gave me the option. Gave me I,
0: the yeah, option. We ran with providence, with so. the strong suggestion that you did, <laughs> did it out of the providence, providence of, God. <laughs> <laughs> of God. And it's true. I knew that you were reading the book. I knew that this was what you would have been. You been absorbed in, and the book of Ruth has a very as with the book of Esther. There's just this strong overarching yep. sense of God's providence. And you did a great job. In fact, uh, probably one of the one of the to me the uh, of the power statements that were made in the message. The one that resonated most with me that I wanted to resonate with our people certainly resonated in my own heart was you said in the midst of suffering, God doesn't want you to be dependent on His answer, but in His character. Yeah. And I love that because some people think they, can, they almost hog-tie God. God, I'm going to trust you more if you'll hear my prayer, if you'll answer my prayer. And many times God just wants us to be more wrapped up in his character and believing him, trusting him uh, through the suffering, uh, regardless whether the answer is, a, is affirmative. So yeah, that, that was, was good. Yeah, even that line, just to
1: piggyback off that, that line was even powerful for, for me personally as I'm kind of writing it down and thinking about it. Uh, because I love apologetics, and that's all about giving an answer, right? So I want to be able, when I'm sitting across from somebody, I want to be able to give them a good, biblical, logical answer for what's going on or what their question is, you know, even their suffering. And uh, so even coming across that Ecclesiastes verse, it was like, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like a good answer to them, a biblical answer to them is simply, "I don't know," and God, God wants us to have that kind of mindset.
0: Yeah. So let's help our audience a little bit because some of them may not have watched the message and may. I, we'd encourage you to do so. It was a good message, It'd be worth your uh, your watch, so you get a good theology of providence, the providence of God. That is. Uh, so help us all a little bit on that. Let's let's set the stage here. What is uh, Providence. We know that in your message, you you talk about the root word being to provide, and you actually went to that passage uh, in Genesis yep. uh, where Abraham is uh, on his way up to the mountain with his son, Mount Moriah. He has his son with them. He is his treasured son. He's waited so long for. Uh, they're going to make a sacrifice. There's no. They don't have a lamb. The, his son Isaac says, "You know, asked where the lamb was." Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, God's reply or rather Abraham's reply was the Lord will provide. He'll, he'll see to it that we have the sacrifice. And of course he did. And that is the root word with the word providence. It means to provide. So help us out a little bit. What does it mean? What is, what is the providence of God? What does that mean? Do we have a, do we have a definition for it?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good definitions. Uh, um, I mean, you have yours Mm -hmm. that you really like to use. The one I kind of use is that God um, is actively working out all things uh, with a purpose, right? And I think that's the big deal is is I heard, I think it was MacArthur who said, providence is essentially the greatest miracle of all time. So you can use miracles being something that is God's, God's uh, coming in supernaturally into the earth to do something crazy with where he says providence is God actually using natural elements like Whatever it being being humans or, or even even sin, and I'm sure we'll get into that, yeah. um, to bring about a miracle. And so I thought that was a really interesting way. Uh, you want me to? I can I can say how Piper puts it. Sure. Um, Piper that puts lengthy
0: it, definition of Piper. No, no, it's a different one. It's a different. Okay, one.
1: let me give you two of them. Piper right. says this. He goes. Providence is God's sovereignty in the service of wise and good purposes. So that's a real short one. I really like that one. It gets, it cuts right to the point. It's God's sovereignty. So he's making a distinction mm-hmm. between the providence and sovereignty. There is something different going on there. And then the caveat is for his wise and good purposes. This is his, a little bit more lengthy one. He says the providence of God is his purposeful sovereignty ...by which he will be completely successful in the achievement of his ultimate goal for the universe. God's providence carries his plans into action, guides all things towards his ultimate goal and
0: leads to his final consummation yeah. so you got that memorized right <laughs> so uh, so I noticed that actually uh, Piper does not distinguish as much between sovereignty and Providence in fact he sees Providence as a um, as a character of God's sovereignty if you look at those those definitions he doesn't really he doesn't put much of a demarcation between I, I put a little bit more of a demarcation and probably, um, it's maybe it's closer to what Piper has. That is, it, there's probably something that it, the sovereignty of God and the providence of God do come together and they overlap. And that's why people have a hard time distinguishing them. And in fact, people talk about the providence of God in the same way in which they talk about the sovereignty of God. Right. So just before we move on to some of these particulars, let's just, uh, you, you you mentioned, I have a couple definitions. They are short, um, maybe a little more pithy, doesn't mean they're better. They just more memorable in my mind so when we talk about the sovereignty of god we're just in my mind here's the my the short definition of the sovereignty of god that's god's rule over all things the sovereignty of God. sovereign mean over god's rule over all things that's my definition of god's sovereignty he rules over everything everything okay so uh but providence then is and this is again my short definition of providence then Providence is God's working out the circumstances that bring about his sovereign will. So I've differentiated between the sovereignty of God and the providence of God. Yeah. And what I see providence is, is, is the details. You, you made the comment and your message, it's the, uh, to, you, I think you, the expression was to see to it. He's yeah. going to see, because isn't that what it means? To see to it, God yeah. will see to it. Yeah. So those are the steps that lead to whatever he's planning to do, which incorporates a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the way that
1: I've been really kind of wrapping my mind around it is the sovereignty. You think of a sovereign, you think of a king. He has the right, he has the power. So God has the right, God has the power to do what he wills because after all, he is God. The providence, the demarcation I believe is is the providence is the purpose behind it and getting into a little bit of my message, the character behind it. So he has a purpose and his purpose is, is ingrained into his character which is good right so he has he's holy he is god he has the right to do everything he has the power to do all that he wills and at the same time his power is not of a
0: mean evil dictator it is of a purposeful good god Mm -hmm. so even though we don't always see the good in the moment right and it's sometimes confusing. Right. Uh, oftentimes, John, I will um, I'll be talking to someone, and I'll use a much more familiar verse that every well, almost not every Christian knows, but anybody who's been a Christian for any amount of time has heard of, if not memorized. Romans eight twenty eight, yeah. all things work together for good to yeah. those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. And I've always I always focus on the word together, yeah. uh, and I always say, what is together? I mean, God is putting all kinds of things together. Uh, for our good, because he's good, yep. and uh, that together, that yep. together part, that's the providence of God. Yeah, and that, honestly, that that stumps,
1: or that is, becomes a problem, you know, since I, we work a lot with unbelievers, that it becomes a problem with, especially people who don't believe in this God, that question of how could this possibly, how could God possibly make something good out of a bad situation? And it kind of goes. I mean, you can really use the simple illustration of a parent and a child. Right? Um, the child can't when when the parent pulls the child away from the street uh, because he's running across the street because he sees a playground, and the and the parent pulls him back, and it might hurt the child's arm or whatever it is. The child can't comprehend why the parent would do that thing that hurt them. But the parent, having a bigger perspective, uh, obviously knows has the has the foreknowledge and he sees to it in a sense mm-hmm. to pull that child back because of a greater purpose even though it might hurt them. Um, so I think that's a good analogy to kind of wrap up. Well, it's a good it.
0: analogy especially if you if we put ourselves in the place of the child. Right. That's that's who we are. In right. the analogy, we are the child. We right. are the ones who do not see the car coming. We don't see the the, we can't see far enough down but we do need you you gave another illustration in your message really right toward the very end uh, of being uh in driver's ed uh you didn't mention the fact that you were half blind during that time so you could only (laughs) see what was right in front of the car but uh but you it was a great illustration you said uh you because you were only looking at the first 10 feet in front of the car you you had the death grip on the wheel and you hit the brakes hard and And your driver's ed instructor said, "John, you need to lift your eyes up. You need to look at the bigger picture. You need to zoom out." Right. Uh, and while we, when we zoom out, we don't. It doesn't allow us to see all the things that are going to happen, or what God might do out of this difficult situation, out of this struggle, out of this sin, out of this ugly situation I'm in. But when I zoom out, I can. I'm trusting my parent, my right. my father, God, who pulls me back and says, "Hey, hey, I'm I'm." I can handle this. Right. I'm in charge here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. You also made a big deal out of control. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, you you made a very, very strong statement. You said, you are not in control. And you really tattooed us with that statement. And uh, I have to tell you that I was in my own, the cell group that I lead later on that day. And I, as you all know, I had the joy of working with six couples. They're all new Christians. And uh, boy, every one of them were really convicted by that statement. Yeah. Interestingly enough, and this is this is going to sound chauvinistic, it's not intended to be. There, it was it was the women in our group that very humbly acknowledged that they like to have control, and uh, uh, I just thought that was really interesting. Maybe it was as a mother or whatever. And uh, so, how does? How does uh, the, how does that play into providence? We don't have control. You you made a big deal out of that.
1: Yeah. Well, when I was preparing it, my original thoughts towards this point really, I, mean, I had I actually changed it. I changed my entire point the day before uh, um, on Saturday because I had I had some of it. I had my line where I said your lungs contract because God controls, and that was essentially my whole point. Like, hey, the fact that we the fact that we breathe is actually a mercy of god and that's all really true and that's all really necessary for us to understand but then i was thinking about on saturday i was like you know this doesn't really drive home what i'm actually trying to point out which is the providence of god and god being in control is is a merciful act but it's also an amazing thing for us to like hold on to and so it just kind of hit me as i was kind of doing some thinking and doing some reading that passage that I had mentioned uh, in Matthew where Jesus, you know, he refers to the birds. Look at the birds, you know. God, your heavenly father feeds them, right? Mm. So he's literally saying that God's providence is over these seemingly insignificant creatures of his. And then Jesus says, and you are more significant than them, Yeah. right? And so this whole thing, the providence of God and God being in control should lead all Christians to have a less anxious life and that's even what jesus says at the beginning don't be anxious about your life i'm in control Mm -hmm. right so Mm -hmm. i think that was kind of my my feel behind it is it really deals especially in this culture of anxiety and and depression and and not really knowing what to do that's something you can hold on to
0: well and if anybody's watching you just said something we are living in a culture of anxiety i mean i i i've been pastoring for 35 years and i've never met more people that I have today that are suffering with anxiety and for a multiplicity of reasons but the, not the least of which is just not trusting in the God who who is providential he's going to work out those details before we sat down a verse literally came to my mind as we sat down so I opened my bible to it I, I've been looking at it glancing at it back and forth as we've gone but it's it's Jeremiah 10:23, where Jeremiah says he says I know Lord, that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own paths. Mm-hmm. So we like to think, coming right. back to this whole control thing, we like to think that we're in control of all this. Right. But Jeremiah makes I mean—makes uh, a very, very powerful statement here. He yep. says, I know, I know this, Lord, that the way of man is not in himself. So I don't get to control the circumstances around me. That it is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Yeah. That's a powerful statement.
1: Yeah, it really is. And there is one, I think I actually have it um, in my notes here. I didn't actually get to it in my message, but a, a, a verse that just captivated me when I was in my studies was Proverbs sixteen thirty three: The lot is cast into the lap, but the decision is wholly from the Lord. So now, the dice, it's even going even further, everything. And
0: so. you're in Proverbs 16. You could almost put over Proverbs 16, the providence of God. Yeah. Because the first verse says, the plans of the heart belong to man. And this gets, to, you've just taken a question off the table. I was going to say, are you saying that we have no responsibility yeah. since God is in control? We're not saying that. Yeah. Because listen to these two verses in the same proverb. Yeah. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Yeah. And then the ninth verse says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So God is not saying to us that you you just chill out, relax, I'll take care of this. No, we have responsibilities. All of us have responsibilities. And we, we are to operate within that sphere of responsibility that God has given to us. However, as we do that, God is the one who's going to direct us. And sometimes it's not exactly in the way we thought we'd go.
1: Yeah this is really interesting this past week i was i think i was actually listening to tim keller talk about this and he brought up paul on his way to rome in the shipwreck right mm-hmm. in acts and uh you see you have the providence of god where where paul knows beforehand he knows we've got, somehow god had revealed to him beforehand hey you know you're not going to crash or you're not gonna no one's going to die yeah I mean, everyone's gonna, it's going to yeah. crash but yeah. but no one's going to die and then, do you remember what some of the people on the ship tried to do? Help me out. They they tried to get off the ship. They tried to take it away. And Paul, oh, yeah, he and Paul, told them, don't
0: stay here, stay here, stay, stay here. here. Yeah, so that's, right, he, that's So right.
1: Keller was making the point that here you have the providence of God, and yet, at the same time, it still comes back on us. He's saying, no, 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 if we don't stay on this ship some this will not happen our, everyone's going to die right and so it's interesting you can see both things playing out so yes you have the providence and yes at the same time you have we're accountable for for our actions right and what
0: we're doing right uh for the balance of our time uh probably the one the thing that the biggest sticking point in the providence of god is how he uses. We're okay with God using me making a decision and then changing. Give me a course correction. You know, uh, you know. I think I think of Abraham's servant when he's going after a wife for Isaac. He said, "As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me." Mm-hmm. And there you had providential things. He's on his way to get this wife uh, for Isaac, if you recall, and he prays. He, you know, that this would be the woman, and uh, when he came to the well, and it all worked out, but. What about those times when sin is involved? What about, uh, how, is, how does God use sin? You even referred to this in your, in your message. And uh, if we believe that God's providence involves everything, then it involves everything. Yeah. So how does that work? Because God's not the author of sin. Yeah. And it's not his will that we sin. He doesn't will that we, but uh, so there is theologically we talk about the permissive will of God. You know, in in that sense, he allows sin to take place. Uh, how did you address that? Do you recall how you addressed it? Yeah, I went to Joseph,
1: uh, uh, the story of Joseph and his brothers, and you know the famous verse that you know God meant you meant evil, brothers of mine. You meant it, your sin for evil, and God meant it. The brother's sin for mm-hmm. good, um, but it really is. As you read through the Bible, it's it's shockingly all over the Bible. Mm-hmm. It really is. You go you go to the fact that just just one just one example. You go to the fact that uh, there was a kingship prophesied uh, that would take place to bring about the Messiah, and yet you go to Samuel, First Samuel. And Samuel explicitly says, or God specifically says to Samuel, uh, when, when Israel asks for a king, he goes, don't worry, Samuel, they have not sinned against you. They have sinned against me mm-hmm. for asking for a king. Mm-hmm. And yet it was prophesied. Yeah. And if that didn't happen, Jesus wouldn't have came about. Right. So you have all of this happening. Of course, you know, you have, you have Pilate and you have Judas and all of these people that are clearly sinning to bring about the providential will of God So man is
0: still responsible I, uh, and yet uh, God has worked it out in fact it, you you just referenced to another thing that just came to my mind in the book of Acts where uh, where Peter is preaching and Pete, Peter references this when he says uh, uh, there it is he's uh, where's it out here? I'm looking for it here as we go. Maybe I'll come to it here. as I, I, Maybe it was an Acts. It is Acts, I know, but I'm trying to look at oh, the... Oh, yeah, Pentecost, right?
1: I think it's in it's chapter Acts. 2.
0: There it is. Thank yeah. you. It's chapter 2, verse uh, 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man t- attested to you by God with yeah. mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge yeah. of God. You crucified... And killed by the hands of lawless lawless men. So God planned it, providentially worked out the steps, to that in, uh, and used sinful men, and yet they were still culpable for what they did. Uh, Here's another scripture, which is a pretty obscure one, but it's a pretty cool one. Psalm 76, verse 10. It says this, Surely the wrath of men shall praise you. Mm -hmm. And then it says, The remnant of wrath you will put on like a belt. This is like God. So, So... God's wrapping wrath like a belt around him. I mean, I mean, so it's I, we we can't be thinking that in the most simple situations, God is suddenly we become deist. Yeah. God is out there. That's uh, he's too holy. You know, he, he he's too holy to even look upon sin. So he somehow or another, he has nothing to do with. He has no control, but he's actually in yeah. control of all of it, isn't he? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that especially as a church, that's what's so necessary for us to start getting these categories in our these clearly biblical categories in our mind, so that we can have a deeper understanding of who our God really is, and not just have this shallow like not even like what you're just explaining, but have this deep understanding of no, this is a God who is so powerful, who is so wise, who is so amazing that He has. He has had a plan since the beginning of time. And just to bring up another passage in Revelation, uh, where you know John's having these visions in Revelation. And it you remember the... I can't remember the exact chapter, but uh, it brings up the the the, the, uh, the Lamb of God or the, the scroll. I can't remember if it was a scroll it's a or... It's in
0: chapter 4 and
1: 5. Yeah. I can't remember if it was a scroll or the list of names either way, but it says uh, the, the name of the scroll or the list was uh, before time began, uh, uh, the lamb that was slain. So Mm -hmm. before time began, God clearly had this planned out. Um, And I just think we have to get that category in our minds because it really just does deepen our understanding and our love for him. And I personally think the way I like to wrap my mind around it is this is God's ultimate laugh, last laugh Hmm. with Satan. Like Satan, Again, he's, he's doing these things with the intent of evil, and God gets the last laugh to say, I'm going to even use that evil that you are doing, trying to corrupt everything
0: and turn it for my glory and my good. Yep. It just shows a powerful God. Yep. And so God is working. He's working in your life. He's working in our lives. Uh, he does not excuse sin uh, sin has consequences, we can choose our sins, we can't choose our consequences, and we will, we will uh, be taken to the woodshed, spiritually speaking, if we choose to sin. Uh, and, uh, and yet, at the same time, uh, even in the most difficult circumstances that you're going through right now, realize that God is still in control. I have to tell you, just the other day, on a practical note, to sort of wrap things up, the other day, I was, uh, I was up in the the sound room during a service and I was actually preached this actually a couple weeks ago I was still going to preach that service but I saw somebody in our church just to just to see him encouraged me because uh, my heart was really heavy about a certain situation going on in our church uh, uh, there had been uh, some immorality that had really hurt a particular family and it was very and we were in the midst of it and it was really hard for me to take and I was mulling over and talking to God about it. And I saw this other guy who, who, uh, who went through a terrible, terrible divorce probably 15 years ago. We walked him through that, his wife, who we had led to Christ, chose to walk away from God, chose to go off with another man, uh, re, you know, stiff-armed all of our efforts to try to win her back to Christ, to try to bring her back to repentance. He was a broken man with a broken heart in a terrible situation. It was just deplorable as all deplorable situations could be. But uh, here we are 15 years later, or thereabouts, and uh, he, God has given him another wife uh, who herself went through a terrible, terrible divorce many years earlier, not connected to our church. He's happily married. He's walking with God. Uh, God has restored his joy. And uh, and he's really using this guy now. And uh, and I thought, just to see him yeah. gave me joy, gave me hope, knowing that God is the God who works his, his sovereign will out, providentially, even in the midst of some of the most difficult things that we have to endure sometimes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so. We hope that helps as we talked about the providence of God, and we'd encourage you to stick around, uh, not for this, but in the weeks to come, because we're going to begin in earnest an exposition of of the book of Ruth, and we'll be looking more in detail at how the providence of God worked itself out.